Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And this week, um, as the COVID lockdown continues and increasingly people are furloughed or working from home, we thought that we'd take a look at a subject that we have touched on in the past, but it's it's been given its its true its own name now, which has kind of come from the states, and that is side hustle, which <laughs> most of us know is like sideline, but no, it's got to be called a side hustle. So we yes, thought we'd spend some time that. looking at what that means and what it might mean to you uh, or to your staff. I've, I've often had side hustles, but I've never called them that. No, what well, have you called them in the past? I don't know. Sort of what I just what I do. <laughs> um, income stream, different income streams. I'm not sure. Mm. The first time I really engaged with with the word was when we did the profile of uh, Dame Scylla Snowball. Oh yeah, and I remember yeah. that she was saying that she'd taken um, on some side hustles, and that was going to be her career now. And and actually, all of a sudden, I'm hearing it all the time. It's mm. really, really grown. But I, I had to go and look up the origin of the word Heather. So, and uh, what did you discover? Well, I found on MiriamWebster.com quite useful. It, it's got a whole page on the origins of side hustle. It comes from um, the word hustle, obviously. And hustle is the obvious part. It's had a number of meanings, generally meaning a bit of a swindle and, and was used in the 1920s in America, largely African-American newspapers, to describe somebody doing something a bit shady, a bit of a, a dodgy. Yeah, but then the side hustle bit got added on, according to this website, in the 50s. And it was, again, found mostly in African-American writings. And it applied to both scam and legitimate jobs from the 50s onwards. So it has been around for a while. It's been in regular use for 70-odd years. It's just not really been in my awareness for that long. I think the important point to make is that it's more than turning a hobby into money. I think because I think it's a bit more strategic than that. Um, but what it isn't is doing a foreigner. <laughs> you know that term yeah. when people go, you know, oh yeah, well this is what I do. You know, I do this nine to five, but I can do it for you on a Sunday, and you just, you know, cash pay me cash hand. in my back yeah, pocket. No. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not that. It's That's not more that of a at hustle. all. <laughs> That's more of a hustle, yeah. So yeah. One thing it's not, it's not a second job. So I, I watched an interesting short video on TED Talks and the, the lady there was saying that a second job is a, a necessity and you've yeah. got an employer, whereas a side hustle is something a bit more aspirational where you're perhaps trying out being your own boss while you've still got another job. So that, that distinction is quite clear as well from everything that I've read. And it often, whilst it's not a hobby turned into a, an income generation, it's often stuff that is, you're interested in, uh, stuff that you're passionate about, stuff that you're good at, skills that you perhaps don't use in your regular job that you want to tap into and you want to make the most of. Uh, so it, it, it's often a, a sort of a balance, really. And a lot of people turn their side hustle into their main hustle 
and that's the point at which they give up the world of employment and become their own business set up their own business uh, so but for other people that is not their intention at all it's just another way of raising money maybe to pay off a loan or to save up for a, a trip of a lifetime or you know it's very save up for a deposit on a house uh, something very sort of project specific you know i need to raise five thousand pounds and this is how i'm going to do it the other thing uh, i picked up on as well is it it's not just uh, um done by people who hate their main job so a lot of the people that I'd, I'd read stories about actually really enjoyed their main job were very good at it but they'd spotted an opportunity for a side hustle as well and sometimes the main job actually complemented the side hustle. Yeah, and I think that's that's the point I was making about, you know, you might you, you might love your job. You know, you work in a call centre and you're talking to people all day and you're on the phone and you're in a room. And your side hustle might involve you getting outside and doing gardening or mowing lawns or you know, it might just be something that balances out the sort of yin and yang of your of your life. But it's fair to say there's an awful lot of um, websites, articles, um, opportunities. Books. Sorry, books, books, books yes, yeah, 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 books. Um, and I think one th one thing I think I've mentioned before, but one thing I think is really important is that there are things that you can do just off your own back. You might think I'm really good at X, and you might deliver that service you might make a product you might sell a product or whatever but then there are also lots of established businesses that give you the opportunity to buy into that business as a side hustle once upon a time we we might call it party plan i remember the days of tupperware parties and pippa d parties and and even you know nowadays we have um not that they're all female centric but like Anne summer's parties you know this is a weight watchers um coordinators you know the, those ways of generating income working hard for your own purposes with an established brand versus setting something up from scratch so i think there's two there's two angles what if, what articles or information have you found tracy that might be useful well i mentioned the ted talk now i've not come across these really really short ones but this is a five minute talk and it's called this is the side hustle revolution and it's by a lady called uh, Nikaila Matthews Akomi. And she also has a podcast, which is about side hustles, Side Hustle Pro. So I watched her five minute talk, which was quite interesting. She talked very fast. It was as if she had to fit it all into a specific time scale and that she'd edited out any pauses for breath. <laughs> it, was, it was really fast and full on but that was enjoyable so I did go on and find her podcast Side Hustle Pro and I listened to an episode from April the end of April episode 198 where she interviewed the two founders of Neighborly Paper which is a greeting card company so it's a very American based podcast and I've got to say I thought the podcast was maybe a tad too long but I, I enjoyed listening to and hearing about the founders of Neighbourly Paper. I just would have maybe liked the podcast being a little bit shorter. And then I found a great article, short article, but a very useful one, on Motley Fool website, which in itself okay. 
helps with side hustles if you're going to be investing for example and they talk about three side hustle pitfalls to watch out for and I thought these were really really important ones to to mention the first one is compromising your main job so the idea of a side hustle is it runs alongside your main job and what you don't want to do is to lose the security of your main job by not focusing on your main job mm. and putting your attention into your side hustle. Because that's fine if your side hustle takes off really quickly and it can support you, but you need to make sure that you can handle the extra work without compromising your income stream from your main job. Make sure you pay your taxes. Make sure you plan for paying your taxes as well. If you've got a main job, the chances are you're using a lot of your personal allowance, if not all of it. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to pay tax on all of the income from your side hustle. You need to keep track of that and make sure you put the money aside if you can, because otherwise, when you come to pay the bill, you're going to find yourself you've got a cash flow problem. And the third pitfall to watch out for is getting burnt out and making sure that you have got enough time and energy to put your efforts into both your main job and your side hustle. I came across an interesting website. It's American, but it's called thehustle.co. And it talks about, it talks specifically about side hustles. When you think about it, this is, this has become increasingly true over here. One of the most profitable side hustles that you can get involved in is property. Now, a lot of people, you know, the buy to the buy to let market, you, you know, once upon a time, just, just being able to own one house was as much as anybody could, you know, could uh, most of us could aspire to. But the idea that you would buy a property, do it up, turn a profit, buy a property, do it up, rent it out, generate income. So, so that's, uh, that was quite interesting. And then just one other thing that I think it's worth mentioning, and you've touched on this uh, in terms of taxation. Uh, of course, if you're thinking of getting involved in a side hustle, you need to think about income generation. So do visit the HMRC website. There is a self-employed helpline there. And also uh, another website that, that is useful, the Direct Selling Association, um, it's dsa.org.uk, uh, where they give some guidance on what you can sell and under what conditions you can sell it. Because, again, you know, there will be certain rules that you need to adhere to. So, yeah, I'll put links to those and the other, the, the TED Talk, etc. that, that Tracy's referred to on our website, which is thebusiness.community. You're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And in other news, I've revisited the ONS website to have a look at the report that they've written on social impacts as a result of the coronavirus. This is the report dated the 7th of May. I just thought I'd give us an update on some of the things that we've been looking at over the last three weeks. So eight in 10 adults in Great Britain continue to say they had neither left their home or had only left for permitted reasons and in the past seven days. So that's 82% of adults had not left or only left for permitted reasons. 
new one on me here is that 21% of the respondents said that their relationships are being affected with their partners or spouses as a result and that is causing concern. Among those who say that the coronavirus has affected their well-being, they were con concerned about the strain on their relationships and said they were spending too much time with others in their households as opposed to just 30% who said they were spending too much time alone. So you've got the two extremes going on there. Some people are living alone and are feeling too isolated and other people who aren't used to spending so much time with their families are finding that's a strain as well. Expectations for when life will return to normal are getting longer. 40% of adults now think it will be longer than six months compared to 33% in the first week of this report and for a third week the most common way that the pandemic has affected people's lives is their ability to make plans as i'm sure we will all agree there and just under one in four adults said that the coronavirus was affecting their household finances which is similar to last week and the most common concern amongst these adults was reduced income and uh, saying that they were needing to use their savings to cover living costs. 16% had said that they had to borrow money or use credit at this time. So I will keep an eye on those reports. I noticed today that the ONS are compiling lots of other reports, and I did notice with interest that they've written um, an article about how they're going to collect the price data that they would normally collect, because obviously some of their usual procedures are, are limited by the lockdown uh, and the shops being closed so they've written a very full report on that but, but it would be interesting to see how prices across the range of products that they look at have been affected so i'll keep my eye out for that i sticking with the coronavirus theme um it's difficult to get away from it isn't it in fact i have to just say that um my bbc news feed on friday when I looked at it, not uh, yeah, it was the first time in I don't know how long that my stories were not COVID related. They were all VE Day related. And it was an absolute breath of fresh air. It, it, I mean, it was just, it was a joy. It was like, well, I'm going to read all of these because they just, there's not going to be a hint of coronavirus in there. Um, so sticking with the, the, the theme, um, all eyes are sort of, looking forward now you know the announcements that were made on sunday night such as they were the expectation has been set at you know what comes next what are these color-coded phases and certainly from a business point of view how do we even begin to reopen our businesses to make sure that our staff remain safe and that our customers remain stay safe and the business is sustainable and came across a fantastic um, article um, on the CIPD website. And there is a downloadable guide, um, which is a workplace guide returning after coronavirus. And they talk about, and they've got a little downloadable checklist of the types of, types of things that you need to think about. Now, okay, that's not to say that we couldn't think about them, uh, come up with them ourselves. A lot of them are, are, are fairly obvious, but I think sometimes it's really helpful just to work through something as a, as a cue, as a prompt, um, even if it just poses one question that you haven't answered for yourself, I think it's a real benefit. 
uh, and then also on a website called smallbusiness.co.uk two things one they've got an article called how to reopen your small business post lockdown what do we know so far uh, and that's talking about um you know the the guidance as it stands and of course, we all anticipate that guidance will evolve and change over the coming weeks. But that's a good starting point if you just want to bring yourself up to speed. And then whilst I was on that website, given that we've been talking about side hustles, um, I came across an interesting article um, about how to start a new business. So if, you, if you're attracted to the side hustle kind of things, that website is 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 worth a look as well so uh, i'll put links to those on our website what else have you got tracy well an article that is like you said linked to side hustles in a way uh, this is in management today article by phil blackmore and he uses joe wicks as a case study and says that now might be the time to revisit shelved projects and what might have been wrong before you might now find that the timing is absolutely right for. And he says with Joe Wicks that he had the idea to introduce um, physical education for children into schools at around the same time as Jamie Oliver. But at the time, no, Jamie Oliver with the food, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Oliver's ideas for school meals really took off. But Joe Wicks's suggestions for physical education didn't. And, and um, Phil in this article reckons it's because the parents didn't really see that it was a must-have because surely kids were running around in the playground anyway. But now, with the children at home for 24 hours a day, getting exercise is a genuine need. And so mindsets have changed. And Joe Wicks is now in great demand at nine o'clock every day to do some PE with the kids and the parents who choose to join in. And in the article, he says that there are a number of products that will solve a genuine need but didn't have a breakthrough at the time and that you really need to consider revisiting them. So if you are considering a side hustle, rather than trying to um, think of a new idea, just go back and look at some of the thoughts you had previously to see if now is, is the right time for them. It gives a number of examples which aren't side hustles, but I, I get the point. Um, Cambridge Masks is a boutique designed at the UK manufacturer for face masks. They previously positioned themselves in the market for like pollution face masks, but now they've positioned themselves as health face masks. And then obviously collaboration tool, tools such as Zoom, brilliant, They're, Virtual meetings were considered a bit faddy before now. Now it's the new normal. So, you know, something that was considered a bit niche before, it's just expected. Another one that made me smile actually was Sainsbury's Smart Shop. They've been trialing the till free shopping since last January, and it's only really taken off just now as they're trying new ways to buy groceries by reducing contact. Um, so, Online shopping again, I think that was actually pretty good. I'm not sure that that falls into this category, but he does include it in the article and basically saying that a lot more people are now shopping online, maybe for the first time. And so what you should do is actually think about what services or products you might have used or, or tried to introduce previously 
and that may have failed and see if now is the time for them to shine i suppose it's that classic thinking isn't it that whole that will never work but so many things that people thought would never work have been proven to work during this situation timing is really important isn't mm. it i can think of a number of a number of projects i've been involved in over the years where great idea but it just didn't quite catch on and you think okay there must be a lot of those out there that if just repackaged and repurposed a little bit would be ideal for the situation we're in now you're listening to the business community on Calon FM and in our discovery section this week we've done something that we've been um, we've started to become quite fond of which is reviewing the same thing the same book two perspectives on the same um, the same material and we've done it again and this week we've chosen a book for you that is all about the topical discussion that we've been focusing on which is side hustles and it might not surprise you to know that the title of the book is Side Hustle, written by a guy called Chris Gilbo. I'm reliably informed by my co-presenter. Is that right, Tracy? Well, I had to watch a few videos to try and get the pronunciation right. It, it looks like it should be pronounced differently. So I'm glad I did look at the videos. So Gilbo or Gillibo seems to be the way to pronounce it. Right. OK, well, it's lovely. It's a bright yellow book, so it's jolly. Uh, I opted to buy the hard copy. I bought the Kindle version. Right. Okay. And I think that's that's frequently frequently happens with the two of us. I'm much more attached to owning the. It must be my insecurity, owning the hard copy of the book. Um, you you're you're happier reading stuff on a Kindle, aren't you? No, no. I I think I can explain that one by saying I'm impatient. Ah. <laughs> ah okay i wanted the book there and then as soon as we decided we were going to review it i wanted to start reading it right okay well i have to admit as soon as mine arrived i, I felt the same way as a book i love it I, I i think it's it's great um the official title is side hustle build a side business and make extra money without quitting your day job this guy's also written a book called The $100 Startup. So I think he knows his stuff. But the way that the book is written, um, for somebody who likes instant gratification, basically, it's not just an index. It, it, he's got a list of the contents. And then he says there's a 27-day plan. And these are the things that we're going to look at at each of the 27 days. So having just read those first few pages, I think I already know what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> do you know what uh, I liked one of the first things that I highlighted in the Kindle is it said the guide is designed for the busy and impatient <laughs> <laughs> well that's the two of us covered isn't it <laughs> we're both busy we're both impatient we both just want to know how to make how to make money but it, I think it's laid out beautifully what what were your first impressions Tracy Yes, so the layout is good on the Kindle. Sometimes we find there's a, a bit of a problem translating a good um, hard copy book to a Kindle, but I found the layout was just right. And yeah, I like the 27-day guide. And it's, it's nicely laid out in this bullet points, there's sections marked off, there's little summaries. It's really easy to follow. And it took me a long, uh, you know, it, it, 
isn't a story, but it led me along as if it was a story. I mm. felt like I wanted to get to the end of it to find out. And some really good advice along the way. Nothing, it's not reinventing the wheel with any of this stuff. It's not stuff that you will have not heard somewhere else before. We've said this often about these sorts of books, haven't we? It's not a brand new idea but it's just another way to get you to think about something and, and packaging it up in a way that gets you taking action, which is one of the main things that he says it's really important. The side hustle isn't just an idea. You've got to take action as well. And the, the guide through the 27 days includes prompts to take action. Yeah, and I, and I think that he leads you through that journey. So when you start thinking about what could, oh, I wonder if there's something that I could do, that immediately puts 150 questions in your mind and you don't really know which ones relate to which. Whereas he gives you some structure and he says, right, think about these things now. Okay, now that you've thought about that, now let's think about the next stage. And he, um, he talks about uh, understanding what your offering might be who your customer might be, what they, what problem you're solving, what do they want to hear, how do you monetize it, you know, how rapidly do you take somebody on the journey to buying your your product or your service, um, overcoming procrastination. Um, One of the ideas and, that I, I liked that he introduced, uh, that, again, I'd heard before, but he presented it in such a way that made me smile was the difference between a starter idea and a next level idea did you like that one i don't okay. remember specifically you tell me about yeah, it so, so there's two examples that he used one is the starter idea is for your side hustle you drive for uber but yep. the next level idea he talks about this guy who started off driving for uber but then went on to be a coach for other uber drivers okay for that yeah. next level another example is the starter idea is you sell your own stuff the next level idea is you buy other people's stuff and they resell for a higher price yeah, so yeah. Okay. as well as these ideas he does give real life examples or i assume they're real life examples he could have completely made them up but they had did have a ring of truth about them one of the things that I think a lot of people find difficult if they are starting a business, if they have got an idea and they want to move it forward, is asking for help. At the earliest stages, asking your family and friends for help. You know, a lot of us, we think, I've had a great idea. I don't need anybody to help me. I'm good, you know, I'll just crack on and do it. And actually, asking people for help, we're often afraid that they're going to say, ooh. You don't want oh, you don't want to give up your job. You, you know, you don't want to work for yourself. You know, you have all the risk and, you know, none of the reward and all of that sort of thing. And, and, and very often we find that really challenging to run something past a trusted friend, a trusted pair of ears, pair of eyes. But it is really, really important. I'm not suggesting that you go down the hole. Um, I've got a product. Will you buy it from me as my best friend or will you? have a party to sell my product you know that's a whole different business model it's a side hustle model but it's not necessarily the right one for everybody he talks about ask 10 people for help as a minimum any large organization does market research before they launch a new product they run focus groups before they change packaging you name it doesn't mean that we have to do it on that scale but if we can find some nearest and dearest who we know won't give us 
give us what we want to hear but will give us what we need to hear i think that's a really important part of moving something forward i think that's a really good point isn't it and we talk about this when we talk about networking as well don't we is you don't ask the people you're networking with to buy your product the point is to ask them for help because actually people like to help they like yes. to help you to find answers to problems and and to generally be thought of as helpful so you can ask your family and friends to help if you ask yeah. them to buy your product they'll soon get fed up of you <laughs> they might yeah. start ignoring your calls might they yeah yeah exactly and i think that everybody has a different perspective on the same thing so if you, you know, if you've got a, a pen and you say, do you want to buy this pen? You know, somebody will say, well, I would buy it if you did it in red. And somebody else would say, oh, it's red. I don't want it. Oh, do you do it in yellow? You know, whatever. Or is it, what, is it biro? Is it ink? Is it this? Is it that? And, and those where you get the things that you might not have considered that other people might want, because you can pretty much guarantee that if those 10 people come up with something, then there are going to be hundreds of other people who, who will. But yeah a lovely book and if the book in itself isn't enough he gives you some nice little um tips at the at the end it's, it's like a free gift um it gives you some appendices and you, you you think well i you know i've got everything that i need to know oh no a side hustle starter kit how to use how to test facebook advertising with ten dollars some really tangible useful sound piece of advice and how much yeah. is the book uh 8.99 i paid 4.99 for my kindle version and i would really recommend it because it doesn't make it seem complicated makes it very achievable for the ordinary person just for example a list of things that you need and what you don't need so the two things that you need are the right frame of mind and the willingness to act and the things you don't need you don't need much money you don't need much time you don't need a business degree or any kind of specialized education in fact i recall he said that sometimes that can get in the way um, you don't need employees assistants or business partners and you don't need experience of starting a business so the main thing is you have the right frame of mind and you're actually prepared to get up and do things. And I thought that the way he structured it into weeks and then into the days in those weeks, they were all quite achievable and not doing too much in one day either. It was broken down into nice little chunks. So if you are doing um, a full time job at the same time, you, you know you're not going to be overwhelmed as we talked about previously and, and compromising your main job so that is side hustle by chris gilbo uh, published by pan and um, it's got a nice picture of a motorbike and sidecar and the sidecar is um, full of sacks of dollars uh, so the front cover it's bright yellow i think we would both say we recommend it yep very much so you're listening to the business community on Calon FM. And as we've been talking about side hustles all show, it seemed appropriate to talk about a business that is associated with side hustles. And we plumped for Etsy. If you look up Etsy on Wikipedia or any other website that you find on Google, they refer to Etsy as being a popular side business tool. So we thought we'd have a little look at Etsy. I've I had a look at one of the founders, Robert Kalin, and Heather, you've taken a more general look at Etsy itself. 
But can I just start with the favourite piece of information that I learned about Etsy is that its main office is located in Dumbo, Brooklyn. <laughs> now, it, it disappointed me a little to find out that Dumbo is just short for something else. It's short oh. for down under Manhattan Bridge overpass. Really? Uh, yes, it wasn't just a, a neighbourhood called Dumbo. Down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass, and it's in New York City borough of Brooklyn. Also has the nickname of the centre of the Brooklyn Tech Triangle. The, the site was launched in 2005 uh, by a small company made up of Robert Kalin, Chris McGuire and Haim Shopik. And apparently the first version took two and a half months to build, which is quite impressive when you think about it. So before I go on to Robert Kalin, what did you find out about Etsy itself, Heather? Well, I think the, the first thing that, um, that came into my mind was what, what does Etsy actually mean? It's, it, you know, we, it's a non-word. And he actually said that that's what he wanted. He wanted a nonsense word because he wanted to build the brand from scratch. He said that he was watching Fellini's Eight and a Half. I don't know what that is. Um, a film, I guess. And was writing down what I was hearing. He says that in Italian, Etsy means, oh, yes. And in Latin, it means, and if. Actually, when I, when I started my business, um, Salt Solutions, I wanted something that didn't say what I did because I didn't want to pe people to have preconceived ideas. So there's, there's some similarity there. Anyway, the business model itself is very much about shared success. What Etsy does is it brings together in, initially people who, who make stuff, create stuff, design stuff to, for a shared benefit. So as you might expect, um, it provides a platform for people who can't have a high street presence. It's not practical for them to have, you know, um, a, a big marketing machine. So Etsy do the marketing for them through the promotion of the Etsy model. And every time somebody sells something, Etsy gets um, 20 cents or something. Yeah, 20 cents, I think it is. And then, no, they list, sorry, they list for 20 cents and then Etsy earn 3.5% of everything that they sell. And when you think about that Etsy are doing the advertising, Etsy have built the website that links through to your website so your website can there be more straightforward it's a shared business model it's about shared success on their website itself they say keep commerce human etsy is about unique and creative goods and it's about the people behind them so uh if you want something that's a little bit out of the ordinary a bit like we have uh, not on the high street over here it's a similar portal but it's all about the the human behind the product but tell me a bit about Mr. Kalin. Kalin? Kalin? Kalin. I'm not sure. Kalin or Kalin, I'm really sorry. Kaylin, um, so I, I did the usual searches, uh, not a lot going on on Twitter under his uh, handle there, um, not much going on in LinkedIn. I found a little bit of information about him on a website called Crunchbase and a bit more on a website called Iris, um, which profiled him. So I, th I think the mixture of those two. So he was born in 1980 and he left home at the age of 16, lived in an artist squat. His parents were divorcing and he was bullied in school 
Um, he dropped out of school, but eventually did graduate. Um, went to the School of Music, School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, and that's where um, he he sort of went on, went to meet Chris McGuire, one of his co-founders. And he went on to live in New York. He's worked as a woodworker and a carpenter, amongst other jobs. So he's sort of a creative. And it, the idea started um, when Robert, Chris McGuire and Heim Shopik, uh, they took a freelance project for a website called getcrafty.com, which was an online bulletin board for crafters. And while they were working on that project, they noticed that there were a lot of crafters on the web, but that many of them hated eBay. So the goal there was to fulfill the needs for an online marketplace where crafters and artists could make and do online purchase sales without having to go to eBay. His own history in the company is, is quite interesting. Um, at one stage, he demoted himself from CEO to CCO, and the company's chief operating officer, Maria Thomas, replaced him. During the time that Maria Thomas was leading the business, it reached profitability. So it was started in 2005. It took till late 2009 to be profitable. Under her leadership, it did. However, they had lots of complaints from sellers about customer support and performance of the site. And so then Robert Callan um, lobbied the board and got himself reinstated. And he went back as CEO in 2010, but a lot of his ideas didn't work out. So he stepped down again in 2011. So it's, it's a bit of an in-out um, career there. He's described as not being supremely confident and can be easily distracted by new ideas and a difficult person to interact with, apparently. But um, he's, he's got a couple of quotes uh, out there. Uh, one is that I admire the makers of the world and he makes his own furniture and his own underwear, apparently. And also he's quoted as saying that he thinks that trying to maximise shareholder value is ridiculous and saying that he couldn't run a company where you had to use share, maximizing shareholder value as an excuse for why it was doing things. So that might explain some of his in and out with Etsy. One thing I would say is that he's regarded as an accidental business person. Okay. But while he is a, he's definitely a businessman, he sees himself as an artist. Because he, he has listed products on the site and sold them himself. But I think when you click, from, it says he's taking a break at the moment, which I think means yeah. that he's moved on a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> Despite all, all of these goings on with his business, he's seen as somebody who's soft-spoken and people do admire his passion and the way he's determined to put the needs of other people first. But why would you not like that in, in a person? Um, so regardless of... Um, what's gone on with the business. He, he does seem like a person who is um, impossible to hate, is one of the quotes. <laughs> the, the whole, going back to the whole ethos of the, of the business, um, they've got uh, a news section on their website. It has um, announcements about products, it has company news, it has community stories, and it talks about trends. So if anybody's listening and you are, um, you are a creative, you are somebody who makes stuff, you are somebody who needs to have a, 
or, or would benefit from having a handle on what current market trends are um, the blog is extensive it's really colorful it's interesting um, and it it's generous in, in what it, it gives away in terms of ideas and thinking so I'd certainly recommend that what if you make something and you want to sell it or you've got a product and you want to sell it I think you could learn a lot from that part of their website there's a, another learning I think that could be really valuable and that's the story that the first investors into Etsy were two local real estate developers that Robert Kalin had done some carpentry work for and the restaurateur who he'd set up an internet cafe for and he said that they get he gained their trust by building things for them and by doing that he built up a personal relationship and especially in the beginning that's really important so he was able to get people to invest because they trusted him because he'd already done some good work for them yeah all in all i think of course there are lots of other platforms where you can sell your products but i think etsy was one of the first that really took off uh and the idea that you know nowadays anybody can sell online uh regardless of you know how much stuff they make or what they make uh, and i think that's partly due to his his idea and then actually seeing it through and it a lot of people have have taken that business forward like you mentioned he's sort of in in and out a few times but uh yeah all in all i would say ethically a good business and i think if you if you make something then you might as well have your stuff on there you've been listening to the business community with me tracy jones and me heather noble join us again next week for more news views and reviews from the world of business